This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. It's August 8th, episode 2992, brought to you today by the World Equestrian Center. Good morning, horse people. I have good news and bad news for you on this Monday morning. First, the bad. It's Monday. But the good news is really good. Jamie and Glenn are here to guide you through another week filled with horse talk and a whole lot of fun. Welcome to Horses in the Morning. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I can't believe that next week, this time, I'll be driving, heading out to uh, your place and then Texas. It'd come up pretty quick. And also... On today's show, we're going to hear about Jamie's new four-legged gift. Oh. <laughs> Jerry McNutt talks about his film called Somehow Hopeful, the story of a woodsman. And we have some equine news and some equestrian first world problems all on today's show. Well, the World Equestrian Games is going on, at least the new version of the World Equestrian Games. It's called the World Championships. And the FEI Dressage World Championships happened over the weekend. And Denmark took the team gold. British uh, came in there in second, and they were pretty happy with that, apparently. And the Germans in third. So, I, I, you know, when I look at those and look at the dressage teams that have won over the years, that doesn't. Not too surprising there. Now, one good thing happened for the U.S. team is they came in sixth. And you're saying, well, why is sixth good when they were hoping for a podium finish? It's because the top six teams qualified for the next Olympic Games. So if we had come in seventh, we wouldn't have sent a team to the Olympics. So we still get to send a dressage team to the Olympics. And also our friends in Sweden and the Netherlands came in fourth and fifth. And all of those uh, countries get to send teams to the Olympics. And next Olympics, any guess? Do you know? Do I know where it is? Yeah. Uh, Is it in L.A.? Paris next one. Paris. And then L.A. And then L.A. Yep. Uh, so vaulting is also happening right now. Uh, they're finishing up with the team, I think, today and then continuing individuals. And then eventing and driving happen in September, September 15th through the 25th. Uh, that's when they happen. So there you go. There's your update on what's going on with the new version of the World Equestrian Games. And no, Samantha and I didn't do a special show for it. Well, it wouldn't be the World Equestrian Games podcast, would it? Yeah, it wouldn't be. And they, and it used to be the World Equestrian Games were all in one place all at one time. Now they're spreading it out. And it would have just been harder to cover. So that's that's one of the reasons we didn't. Plus, I have enough to do. I don't need that. Speaking of Denmark, one of our listeners from Denmark, or one of our auditors, it's her birthday today, Tanya's birthday. Thank you for listening. And Shelly, also, it is her birthday today. We also had a new auditor, Debbie Payne. Thank you so much, Debbie, for joining and for helping support the Horse Radio Network and the hosts here. We really appreciate it. If you would like your name mentioned next week, become an auditor. Plus, Auditors get, let me remind you that auditors get to watch our 3000th episode on Facebook Live. We're only streaming it to the auditor room. So you have to be an auditor to be able to see us goof around and do our 3000th episode in Jamie's dining room, living room. I don't know. Where uh, wherever we're going to do it at Jamie's house. I might house. put you in the garage. <laughs> might be, we might do it outside. We don't know. So uh, uh, I do know there's going to be somebody joining us for that that you're going to want to see. So become an auditor today. And uh, for as little as $3 a month, go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the auditor banner. a couple daily winnies for you one is to you i love facebook memories no it's not um but i got a facebook memory about today is the anniversary for the horse radio network 14 years ago you started the horse radio network 
Oh my God, you're right. We did start it in August. Yep. It was today because a bunch of people shared it. Yep. It was today. Congratulations. Happy anniversary. (laughs) That's a long time. I've been in this job a long time. And thanks to Helena, too. We have to throw her in there because she's the one that started the first show with me. So, wow. Well, thank you for that. Now I remember. What's what's also (laughs) funny is that I looked back because there's a the post that you posted and tagged me in was a picture of you, a picture of me and a horse, and then picture me, Monty and Debbie, and then a picture of the infamous photo. When we first started this gig, we went to the Kentucky Horse Park and did a photo shoot. Okay. Just backstory here. Samantha did it, if you remember right. Samantha Uh, did the photo shoot. I had great hair. um, (laughs) And you were less gray. So I was a lot less gray. (laughs) We we did it. And we walked around. We took pictures in front of the Men of War statue. We took pictures in front of many different, like, iconic things. We got to meet um, the horses in the Hall of Champions. Like, it was awesome. We got to see, I believe it was Curlin. No, not Curlin. uh, No, um, we got our picture uh, taken with... Barbaro. Yes, Barbaro. Not Barbaro. God, I'm going to get it here and it's going to come back to me. Not Barbaro. Duh. So we also took this picture. They had these, they have these little like donkey (laughs) statues. I haven't posted that in a while. (laughs) Yeah, don't. So it's a, it's a metal donkey statue and Glenn thought it would be hilarious. It was hilarious. (laughs) For him to sit on the donkey statue and for me to look like I'm pulling it and for Jen to look like she's pushing (laughs) And it was a really cute picture. That's really funny. Oh, dear God, the backlash of this photo, you guys. So we had people from all over the world. I'm looking. I'm having to hit translate on the comments in French. Like, uh, let's see this one. This is pathetic and shameful. Like. People, that poor donkey, how dare you sit on that thing? Like, it's a statue. Like, but we can't share that photo anymore because literally we were like shared all over the place for being so cruel to that. That is just the power of social media for you, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and so, I probably, so I think we had a comment or two about it being sexist too, because I was on the donkey you were pulling and she was pushing. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I bet we did. I mean, it's crazy. It, it was it was so and people. And then all these other people were like, it's a metal statue. Like, they're like, they are so horrible. Do you guys way too fat to be on that dog? No, uh, but yeah, it was pretty funny. It so, was one of the funniest pictures we took. And every time I post, I posted it just to antagonize people sometimes. Yeah, and we get those comments every time. Every time. So and that for, that goes enough. for the statue maker. You did a great job because yeah, it looks real. Well done. <laughs> All right. You have another one? I have a second one. Oh, do you want to do you want to play it again? Well, here, let's make more horses mad in the barns around. <laughs> And now the mares are looking for their foals. (laughs) We have been getting an influx of complaints regarding the people that are blasting our show in their barn. Hi, everybody. Mucking stalls right now. Uh, And by the way, I love playing that and getting your horses involved in the show. I think it's wonderful. Boy, they can get so freaked out by it, though. (laughs) Jeez. Remember that app that was like the Winnie to get your horse's ears up? Ears up. Oh, I could play play this alone. This will get a horse's going. Nobody's going to listen to us anymore. You got to stop it. Uh, my daily Winnie also goes out to, let's see, it's a, co- it's a collection of people. One, two, Brenna Starch, two, Chad, and three, Lucas. So Brenna, how is she involved in this? A listener and an auditor. How is she she's involved? an auditor. Yeah. Yes. I don't so know. She sent me some photos are tagged me in a post of some baby basset hounds on Facebook. (laughs) And I was like, you guys have to stop enabling Jamie. (laughs) I was like, Oh my God, that's the cutest thing I've ever seen. You need to stop. (laughs) I've I've always wanted a basset hound puppy, but I've never had one because I'm like, we we just rescue them. I'm on my third rescue basset. The first one I found a shot. The second one came from a high kill shelter and the third came from horse and hound. So I've had a lot of senior bass assets that I've acquired throughout my life, but I've never even touched a basset hound puppy. Okay. So she sent me this post of this. She tagged me in and I was like, Oh my God, Chad, look at these puppies. They're so cute. You know? And like, I just was going on about them and 
I guess he just took that to heart and he and Lucas found a Basset Hound breeder here in Moore, Oklahoma and put me in the car and drove me to the house and had me pick one out. Oh my God, can you believe it? What? That just happened. Like, Lucas keeps going, I can't believe dad let us get a puppy. I can't believe dad. Like, I can't either, to be honest, that. Lucas. <laughs> he did that. That was his idea. He's like, I can't believe dad oh, let us get a puppy. He wants to like, take like either. a three month golf trip, doesn't he? Oh, probably. Babe, you have a golf trip planned I don't know about. <laughs> oh, my By God, the way, yes. I will post it. It will be the picture for today's show if you go to the website. Uh, and also, you can go to Jamie's page to see the. it is the cutest puppy in, ever. Oh, my God. The nose. You guys, he is his ears. I picked the one with the longest ears in the whole thing. That was sleep. Like, he crawled halfway up on Lucas, like, from the ground, climbed in his lap, and fell asleep halfway up his leg. It was awesome. I'm going to knock on wood because every other Basset Hound you've gotten, I think we even did a fundraiser for one of them, has cost you a fortune because they were all rescues and all had issues. Let's hope this, this one is. I hope so. The second <laughs> one was the one we did the fundraiser for because he was going to, I mean, he was, oh God. He had everything. I, mean, <laughs> I think we, all the fundraising, I still spent five, six times that much. <laughs> it didn't matter, but Lucky was the greatest dog of all time. So I picked a boy who looked the most like him. So did so, we have a name yet for this cute little? And by the way, he looks to be about six weeks old, huh? He is exactly six weeks yeah. old. So usually the breeders like him to leave at eight weeks, but they'd already weaned him at four because I guess she had so many of them. She's like eight and she's uh, like, I don't have that much down there for everybody. He, Get him off of like, me. <laughs> well, we need to keep him to get him socialized. And I'm like, we have four dogs. It's fine. He'll be socialized. And so they let us take him home. And uh, yeah, oh my God, he's so stinking cute. So we decided we were trying to come up with names because Basset Hound names can be either very funny or kind of boring. So Lucas named Bella, our current Basset Hound. Chad named Lucky, our last Basset Hound. And my brother named my first Basset Hound because I brought her home and she had like the cone of shame on, you know, and he's like, that's the most ridiculous looking dog I've <laughs> ever seen. And so we named her Riddy. So I've never named a Basset Hound. And I was like, dang it, I am naming this one. This one is, and they, they keep coming up with names and they came up with the name, the Hulk. We got to call him the Hulk. <laughs> It'll be Hulk. so funny. You know, I'm like, no. And then I was like, I like Wesley. And then Chad liked Flash from, you know, the Dukes of Hazard. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. And then I was like, we need to come up with like an old man name that would be like ironic. And I like Dwayne. I was like, Dwayne the Rock John. Like, he doesn't look at it. Like, he's ridiculous. And so I came up with that one. And then I came up with Arnold, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And we finally settled on what potentially could be the greatest Basset Hound name for this dog of all time. His name is Homer. <laughs> <laughs> Homer! Homer, stop biting my finger! Homer. Which, by the way, was my grandfather's name. See? It's like His first name was Homer. Name. Yeah. It's great. That's it's an old timer name. I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> I know. And of course, Lucas loves the Simpsons. So Homer it is. And he just looks like a Homer. Like, And Chad loves baseball. So it just tied in perfect to the whole thing. So Homer is my new six week old bassin. I'm completely obsessed with Thinking him. I love cute. him so I can't so wait to see him much. next week. Oh my, I got him in time for you to come. I've never seen a Basset Hound puppy either. So that'd be fun. You know why? Because you can't take him anywhere because they sleep 22 hours a day. (laughs) I told Chad, I'm like, I need a Bjorn. Like I need a baby Bjorn so I can wear him on my chest. (laughs) Because like he just, they sleep. I I was like, is he sick? So we were Googling like how much do baby Basset Hounds sleep? And they sleep between 18, 16 and 18 hours a day, potentially up to 22. He's apparently the 22. Yeah, he's in the 22 rate. Like, you'll be like, okay, let's go potty. And you put him in the grass. It's better than all those animals that get you up in the middle of the night. So, yeah, I know he sleeps through the night. I mean, it sounds like I'm having a baby. I'm like, he sleeps through the night. He's getting potty drained. Um, Yeah, no, oh my God, I could just keep going. Stop me because he's so freaking cute. And he is cute. I will give you, he's cute. And I I still am amazed that Chad let you do this. I even let me. It was his idea. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, are you cheating on me? Like, what that's is fr- going on? My mind went to golf. Yours went to cheating. <laughs> like, why did you do this? What are you hiding? <laughs> it's that's like if a man randomly brings home flowers, he did something. <laughs> that's right. I yeah. know I just brought him to you because I love you. You're lying. You're- to me. <laughs>
And by the way, I had a dream about you where you cheated on me. Now you bring me a puppy. <laughs> Obviously, you're dreaming. No, I, I mean, yeah, just shocking. But he's really cute, and Chad loves him, and and Lucas is obsessed. And if and, if they want to see a million more pictures, I assume Flyover Farm Facebook page. I posted them too. on yeah the Flyover Farm <laughs> yeah. uh, Jamie Jennings Facebook page, and I actually didn't even mean to. I meant I thought I was posting on my regular one, and it went out on that page, and it has like 350 likes. Well, of course, <laughs> so, it's cute as a ticket. That's my all these horses I train yeah, some amazing stuff that I do 12 <laughs> likes. Now, <laughs> puppy. Because nobody else has seen a, a baby basset hound either. <laughs> no, nobody sees them. And this is because you literally can't take them anywhere. First of all, you can't put a collar and a leash on them. Jeez. And then they just lay down <laughs> if you try to lead that. them. Yeah. I've never, I, I saw one baby basset hound at Rolex and the chick was like carrying it around everywhere. And so you can't even pet it. I was like, oh my God, it's a puppy. Bye. So. <laughs> Yeah, there's a reason you don't see them often because they don't want to leave the house because they're exhausted from sleeping so much. <laughs> well, probably at the World Equestrian Center, they have a Basset Hound show. Uh, they have every other dog show there, apparently. I was informed <laughs> that he's not guaranteed to be show quality. Oh. <laughs> and they were like, if you want the breeding rights, you have to pay this much. I was like, no, dude, he's neutered in like... As soon, the day they allow him to be neutered, he'd be neutered. Like, we don't need, I don't it's okay. <laughs> I, yeah, showing Bassets. I don't see you at a Basset Hound show. Come uh, on, buddy. I, have, I just love those Basset Hound videos that people have yes. where they're doing a We have some listeners that show Bassets, too. Oh, God, yeah. it makes me so happy. Well, right now at the World Equestrian Center, they are having a Doberman show. That's right. Can you imagine Whoa. a thousand Dobermans in one place? That's the only dog I've been attacked by as uh, a Doberman. Yeah, they, you know, and they have a job. You know, they know their job, and uh, that's one of their jobs. But he's I've never really, been to a Doberman show, nor do I want to. Super nice. Come on up and pet him. <laughs> yeah. Then I went to the hospital. There you Fine. go. <laughs> Good times. But these, I'm sure, are really well trained. They're really right? well trained. I'm not going to watch. They're that not one. tied outside the trailer that I used to walk by to go to school. <laughs> So uh, Ariat's been announced that they're doing a horse expo. They're sponsoring a horse expo that's going to happen October 7th through the 9th. Oh, and, God. Are you serious? Yes. I want to go to that. Well, you need to come because you need to see it anyway. But And also, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're having the person who's who's doing the horse expo at the World Equestrian Center in October is going to be on to talk all about it. So uh, they're going to have <sighs> vendors, all kinds of shopping. Uh, it's An all-equine all industry trade show? Yes. How do I not have my tickets for that already. You need to come here and do oh that. Oh my God, that'd be so cool. Uh, and they're doing it during the championship show, which is a big quarter horse show, plus they have jumping going on all the time there. So all of these things would be happening at the same time and it's something you should put on your schedule for October 7th through the 9th. Uh, you know, that's not too early to start shopping for Christmas. Hey, uh, so you can find out all the details. Go to worldequestriancenter.com That's worldequestriancenter.com Hey, a couple quick things before we get to our guest uh you you were a big fan of heartland i don't know if you're all caught up or not <laughs> well you know i i did there was a new season that came out everybody was like oh my god this is the saddest thing ever this so episode oh my god, i cried so hard and so i haven't watched it <laughs> i quit watching it this like if grandpa jack dies i'm never wa like what i and i don't know what happened but it was sad and apparently sad enough for 50 billion people to post I don't post it in the auditor room we don't need spoilers here so Oh, let's not no, you can spoil it for me. I don't care because I'm. I can't do it. I, I, well, I cry we, enough in real life. It's I fine. think probably what half our listeners watch that show, and we had Amber Marshall on the so show good. on our I, show. And I just love her. Everything we everything had her about on. Who show. else did we have on? We had on the director or. Somebody like that. The, I think the writer came the writer. on, and then That's we right. had Amber on. Yeah, so it's the writer you probably should take take up the sadness with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Amber Marshall just opened a store, uh, a Marshall's Country Store. It's located in Alberta. Um, and they said it radiates Amber's style inside and out. It offers a variety of products that uh, Amber has picked out herself, clothing, accessories, children's books, a variety of locally sourced items. Um, and uh, apparently in the grand opening they did in July, Amber was there with a with several of her castmates, and they did signatures all day long, and a, quite a crowd showed up. Uh, and, you know, they're hoping that it helps bring tourism to that part of the country, and I'm sure it will. Um so, yeah, but the other thing, the re one of the reasons I'm mentioning this for all of you fans out there is they also opened an online store. It's called marshallscountrystore.com where you can get the same stuff. 
So if you can't make it to Alberta and you're a big fan, go to marshallscountrystore.com and you can check out all of Amber's merchandise. Apparently, she also has a lot of her own Heartland merchandise. Well, and you skipped over the most important part, which is, yes, she was signing autographs and what you tossed away as some of the cast Mm -hmm. was with her. Mm -hmm. Um, It was Ty and Caleb, okay? And they're like, amazing. So Caleb and Ty. So there you go. Also, um, there was this interesting study. Uh, you know how we throw out most studies. Well, I, found, I actually found this one kind of interesting. It was done by Preview, which we learned a little bit about last week. And they did a case study. And what they wanted to check out was how equitable are show jumping shows for men and women. And they also wanted to see how do women and men compare as far as winning show jumping shows. So they took a look at 3,000 of them in the United States and 3,000 of them in Europe. And they also wanted to see was there a difference between shows in the United States and Europe as far as the equity between men and women. And they took a look at three-star level and above. So this is the upper level shows. And What they found in the U.S. was that both male and female athletes average a little more than a rail each time they enter the ring. So they each average just a little bit more than one rail, and but they were about equal. They also found out that as far as finishes were concerned, it was equal between men and women. So uh, men and women do equally in show jumping is what this study found in the United States. In Europe, men and women average same. Similar scores, uh, men or women actually produced a slightly better fault than men. However, the lar- there was a larger gap in the finish position. Men competing in Europe average a finish position uh, higher than women. And what that led them to believe that women are riding with the same degree of accuracy because the fault, the, you know, the number of rails they drop is about the same, but men in Europe ride slightly faster. So it was interesting to see that uh, they're still about the same, though. And what they said is as level of competition increases, the difference between male and female performance decreases. In other words, the numbers affirm that talent supersedes gender in the show jumping sport. Now, I think we probably could have guessed that, but it was interesting to see it in numbers. Because sometimes we hear about – you hear about men – I don't know. It seems like I hear men more than women. But even in dressage, when you take a look at the finishers uh, over there over the weekend at the World Championships, there's many if not more women than men. So I think I would like to see it, if they did this same study 30 years ago, would it have been different? And I bet it would have been dominated by men. I could yeah, be absolutely. Wrong, Eventing would be one I'd be interested to see too, because I feel like, and, and I'm probably you know people are going to get mad, but I I feel like there's more women that event, but always on the team there's three guys and one female. You know, right. like right. It just, I agree. It, just, I, it doesn't seem fair. Yet I don't know what what the studies show. You know, I don't know. Um, and you know, is eventing different than dressage, different than show jumping? You know, again, I don't know. So it's interesting. I hope they do do the other sports. And if they do, I will let you know. But I, I just found that fascinating. All right. Coming up, we, it's ironic that we are talking about this today because on Friday's show, I talked about how there are 300 vineyards in France that are starting to use horses again for the work between the vines, for weeding and for you know taking the crops in and for doing the work there at the vineyards in France. And then Jennifer had booked this guest just unbeknownst to me, and it's also about horses doing work. And I'm going to play the trailer for you. The the film is actually called Somehow Hopeful, The Story of a Woodsman. Uh, I'm going to play the trailer for you uh, because I think it gives you the feel for what it is, and then we're going to talk to the director of the film. Horses are a power source that allow for surgical manipulation of an intense ecosystem. And that's exactly what the forest is. As an occupation, on a deaths per capita basis, logging is the second most dangerous work in the world. We have to keep these truly renewable and truly sustainable practices as an instrument 
that remains in the toolbox of human survival into the future. One of the most endearing characteristics of the Suffolk is their, their quality of heart. They will try as hard as they can for you over and over just for the asking. I don't use the horses because of the traditional aspect of it. I use them because they're the best. They're the most superior technique we've got to not damage the woods. The day will come very rapidly where the forest is seen to be more valuable for the ecological services that it's providing than the wood. Because as a great hydrologist told me many years ago, the most valuable product to come out of any forest is the water, not the trees. And because the forest is the greatest influence on mitigating the impact of human presence in purifying and filtering the water. People have become disconnected from nature. We are not separate. Our technology and, and our knowledge doesn't separate. There's a bigotry that, that the human race carries, and that is if a, an ideology or if a way of accomplishing a thing is new, it by virtue of its newness, must be better. I am able to do something that's low carbon emission. I could use animals that are lovely to be around. The work I'm gonna be doing is the best work I can think of. In my opinion, we're definitely at a critical moment that the work we do today will greatly affect tomorrow. A USDA expert said that it was an anachronism. And I didn't know exactly what that meant for a while. So I looked it up. It was somebody that was out of time with the present. And I, it came to me almost as an epiphany one day sitting in the woods that he was right. I was out of time with the present. It was because I'm in the future. So, so that's interesting, and I want to talk to him to find out why he decided to do this. Um, it is one thing that we did with our draft horses when we had our 100-acre farm. We had quite a bit of woods, and as the trees would come down and we'd use them for firewood, we would use the pertrons to drag the trees out of the woods because they fit. The tractors didn't fit. Uh, so, so that's one of the reasons that we used them. So let's get Jerry McNutt on. He, he is the director of the film, Somehow Hopeful, The Story of a Woodsman. Well, hi, Jerry. Thanks for joining us this morning. You bet. I'm happy to be here. I had Percherons years ago, and the one thing we did with the Percherons that actually put them to work was helping take uh, logs out of the woods. So, oh, very good. So when I saw this uh, documentary that you did, this film that you did, I, it brought back so many memories. Uh, so thank you for, for that, by the way. So why did you decide to do a documentary about these particular people, these woodsmen? Well, it, it actually goes back to one of my first assignments uh, about 20 years ago, to be honest. I, there was a documentary called uh, In the Company of Horses. Yeah. And in that documentary, one, oh, you, you're familiar with it. Yep. Very good. Yeah. Um, one of my first directing assignments was with Jason Rutledge. We had found him, and it was just going to be a very small segment. Um, and being from Arkansas and then being transplanted to LA, I didn't realize how much I had missed that environment of just being in, in a forest, in a wooded area, uh, which was part of it. When I met Jason, I was so taken with his, his commitment, um, and the knowledge that he had amassed over the years and, and, uh, the way he was using the horses to be productive and, and sustainable on his own. I was really struck by all that because that was one of the things that was most important to me growing up, I wanted to be involved in some type of environmental messaging, and I'd kind of gotten lost from that. And meeting Jason just really, it resonated with me. And so we stayed in touch. And over the next 12 to 15 years, we began kind of uh, an uptick in our communications. And I just thought there's, I know there's so much more to this story than we were able to fit in on that um, original documentary. And so I went back with the intent to shoot maybe like a pilot for a TV series. Um, and then I thought, I don't want to do that to this man. <laughs> he doesn't look like the TV. kind that would put up with that crap. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and, and I just, you know, I had done a lot of that kind of TV and uh, I, did, I knew the, the grind and the rigors involved. And I just thought, well, that's not the story. And I, I went back again a second time. And the whole time I'm going, I'm capturing more content and I'm meeting just amazing people. And I really, really mean that. Not only is Jason an impressive person with, with his knowledge and his work with the horse and uh, just understanding the language of the animal and, and the language of, of nature as well, but every single person I met, and these weren't like handpicked people to put in front of me so that I would happen upon someone. They just happened to be there. So 
So if you, if you see the documentary, there's a guy named Robbie Robertson. He just happened to be there that day picking up his Suffolk punch horses that he was going to use on his own farm because uh, he was moving away from uh, mechanized um, power source to horses. Um, and he was such an amazing spokesperson for what he was doing, what he was involved in. Everyone was so intelligent, and, and I really mean this, they were poetic. When I spoke to them, I just found myself just listening to them because they were all so observant in, in what they do. Where, where, and, where was this? Where is Jason at? Jason is in Floyd, Virginia, Floyd County, Virginia. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's a, you know, it's one, one thing it's known for is Floyd Fest, which is an, uh, an annual music festival. Uh, and the people are like that. There, there's a, there's a poetry and a music to them and, and the kindness. And, um, it was, it's really a special place. Um, I have to say, like, I, I could sit here and name, I could spend the rest of this time just talking about the amazing people I met. Um, but going back to your original question, I knew there was something more to this. And I knew that it was something that would resonate with not just horse people, which I think it obviously does, but even beyond that, because even, you know, I don't, I don't have a horse. I live in Los Angeles and it'd be very difficult for me to do, but to know there's, can you think of a more iconic American image than the horse? Um, it's what a lot of our identity is built around. Um, and when you look at that as a partner for mankind, over millennia, uh, you know, it, it's easy to see why that, that horses are so important to us. It's interesting, too, because we just had a we did a new segment on Friday and we talked about how the vineyards there's 300 of them now in France are using horses instead of tractors. So oh, wow. in France, they're really taking the, you know, going back to the horses uh, for, for work. So I think, you know, that I'm, I'm happy. This, so when you came on today, I was so happy to see that. He uses a breed called the Suffolk Punch, which uh, is an unusual breed to be using. Usually here in America, it's Percherons or, or Clydesdales or something like that, or, you know, Belgians. But why did he end up with the Suffolk Punch? Do you know? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty incredible story. In fact, I'll, I'll keep it as, as short as I can, but he, it, it's, there's a magic to even this story. When he was in the Navy, before he was really working in horses, he was stationed in the UK and he rented a motorcycle one weekend and went for a ride, got lost, uh, was turning around in a small village, looked down this lane and he saw this boy walking a horse and he'd never seen the horse before. And he was talking to the boy and the boy told him it was a Suffolk punch. And he was like, wow, I've never heard of such an animal before. And it was kind of a unique um, frame to the horse. It was, it was large and sturdy, but not, you know, gigantic. Um, and then flash forward to things like almost 12 years later, his mom gave him a coffee table book for Christmas. And as he's flipping through it, he sees a horse that looks like that horse he had seen a decade and a half ago. And there was an address. So he emailed or not, you know, he writes the guy a letter and the guy confirms that that was the horse that he saw. But the guy also says, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm a member of the American Suffolk Punch Society. And I see that you own two Suffolk Punch horses, which Jason did, but through some other accident that they came to him. And the guy said, the horses that you have, uh, one of those horses is a daughter of the first horse that he ever saw in the UK. And oh, wow. that kind of uh, poetry to his life, which is, it really had an impact on him that that came back full circle. Um, but the reason he uses them is it's one of the few draft horses that was never used for war or anything else. They were just used for farming. So in the whole history of that horse, they were, they were bred specifically for uh, that kind of farm use whether it be, uh, you know, in a garden or in the woods or whatever. So they have a, a really great history of being um, easy to work with, of being efficient, and their, their body frame is set a little lower. So they don't have to take as big of a step to get the forward energy going. Uh, and that's really why he enjoyed them. But he came to, to love the horse so much that that's exclusively what he uses. And he doesn't just promote that horse. He's all about any kind of animal power. But he really is fond of, of that horse, which I, I am too, once you've been around them. They're, it's a really gentle, gentle horse. Yeah, and they tend to be shorter and, and stockier, you know, more, more, right, right. more powerful. Whereas you're, nowadays, they're breeding for the Percherons and, and even some of the others for height, and they're just, they're huge. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, and there was another guy I met who, he likes them because 
the affordability. You know, a lot of your medicine is based on how much the horse weighs, right? So uh, for him, like that was, it was a good horse because it's, it's all the power you need uh, versus, you know, getting something that's no knock on the larger horses, but every job wouldn't reply or uh, require the largest animal available. Right. Right. And so there was an efficiency to that for, for some people, I suppose. Oh, you mean just putting the harness on. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. You know. yeah. If you're, if you're a one man operation, yeah. I can't even imagine trying to get a, a harness on a perch rod. So are we, are you in that area, you know, of the Appalachian mountains there are, are you seeing, or did you find that there were more people starting to use horses? You found the one guy there in in the trailer that talks about it. But it, is it a trend like it is in, in France, you know, over there at the vineyards? I, I think it is. And I know that, that Jason and others, uh, you know, Jason's been promoting it his entire life. And people just find him. And even in the documentary, there are a couple of people that just found him. And they show up at his farm. And they're like, because it, it strikes a chord with so many people, this, this type of work. And they, they'll just say, hey, can I come work with you for a while? And he has since developed uh, what he calls, uh, it's a biological woodsman program. So people are trained how to behave in the woods, how to read which trees are right to come down. And along with that is obviously the horsemanship. Um, so there are a lot more people uh, than you would imagine uh, that are doing it, and it does seem to be growing. And it's not just with the Suffolk Punch, but as animal power. It's you know, look at what's happened in the last couple of months with gas prices. And that's really unpredictable. And for people who are kind of working on the fringe of their own budget, something like you know another three dollars a gallon can be devastating. Um, and you know, as Jason always says, horses repair themselves. Uh, they replace themselves. They operate largely on, Jason likes to say, uh, solar fuel by means of, uh, uh, you know, sunlight raising grain and all of those kind of things. Uh, but it's a very, it's not as fast as mechanized work, but it is very efficient. Uh, and you don't have to go into a lot of debt to get started. And I think a lot of people are seeing that. I would like to I would like to touch on real quick, just ask you to ask Jason if he could tell me how horses repair themselves so I can have that magic that to get, so you can reduce your vet bill. Yeah, reduce my vet bill. That'd be great. Yeah, I don't know that it's uh, I don't know that it's uh, it, it's uh, every injury that pops up. Darn it. <laughs> but, uh, like there's well, a potion for that. Just yeah. drink this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we're seeing a lot. Well, we have. We've talked about we've had people on the show. We're seeing a lot more organic farms that are starting to use horses instead of tractors again, too. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's something that uh, even on a consumer side, people are becoming more and more aware of all the time. So I'm asking a question this year of everybody. What's you knew what you were getting into because you had you knew him from before. So you kind of knew mm -hmm. what you were getting into when you went there to film. But what surprised you the most? after you were there? Um, hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I think the, the pure dedication of Jason and people like Jason, they're doing this because they know it's the right way to do it. They're not doing it because they can't afford anything else. They're doing it because they believe it is the best way to do something. And that takes a lot of commitment in, in a world that has kind of been shaped to kind of force us to go into debt to do things. So like if you want to be a, a logger, you're going you're gonna to get a quarter of a million dollars of equipment almost instantly to be able to perform your job. Their commitment to making a forest not just sustainable but restorative to build back up our natural resources at the price of staying out of debt but also – knowing they're not going to become rich doing it um, is fascinating to me. We don't see that kind of dedication towards doing what's right that often anymore. And I saw that in every single person uh, that I met um, in, in the, in the documentary. And I was really taken by that. You're right. I mean, you know, they could bring equipment in that can take down the tree, strip the tree and do everything else in one shot. You know, it takes seconds. That's right. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But there's also a price to be paid for that too, yeah. because you go in, you're disturbing the topsoil, and we're only, you know, most people aren't even aware of how fragile that is. That that three to six inches of soil, uh, once that is washed away because of you know large machines coming in and it washes away and causes erosion, it doesn't come back for 
hundreds and hundreds of years, unless you replace it yourself, which most don't when they go into a forest. Um, so that commitment to doing something right is, is really noble. Well, where can people see it? If they want to see the documentary, it's called Somehow Hopeful, The Story of a Woodsman. Yes, you can go to somehowhopeful.com, um, and then there's a link there that'll take you to purchasing it. And, and very soon, it'll be available in a much wider audiences. But for right now, you, you go to that link, and it'll take you to uh, Vimeo, where it's, where it's uh, streaming on Vimeo. But the easiest way is to go to somehowhopeful.com. And uh, do you have any other horse projects in the works? I, I've got a couple that I've, I shot a sizzle reel a while back that is uh, about a horse race that I'm looking at. Um, and I absolutely open to other things because I've realized it's, it's a world with not just untold stories, but there's such a great connection between the people and the horse. And, you know, in working in television in the past, a lot of production companies that I would pitch to would say horses are too boring. And I, I did, I never accepted that, but I, I realized that you're, if you're focused on just an animal and you're putting a microphone up to their mouth, well, yeah, that's not going to be great TV, (laughs) but if you, if you focus through the people that are involved in horses, they're really extraordinary people. And I mean, I don't just mean the horse loggers, but horse people in general. Well, that's why we've been because, doing this show for 12 years. Yeah. Right? Because the, the <laughs> way, if you're going to be successful with a horse, you're not an aggressive person. You're not a loud mouth. Typically speaking, you're someone that is, that is understanding and observant. Um, and I think that people, I think there's an audience for that. I think there's a need to, to share in that. And one of the things I'm, most happy with was somehow hopeful is just the feeling you get watching it. I like knowing that people like Jason are out there. It makes me feel good to know that there are people out there in a world that's full of chaos sometimes, or it feels overwhelming to know that those people are out there moving at that pace, doing what they do because it's right. Um, is it does fill you with hope to know that they're there. Do you like wine? Do I like wine? Yeah. Because I think yeah, a trip to France is in your future now. <laughs> Boy, that's an excellent idea. <laughs> I think you could drink your way through the 300 wineries over there and cover the horses. You could do both. I was I, wondering I, where you were going with that, man. I was like, well, this... he, he, was, he was going somewhere amazing. With yeah. that <laughs> Just helping you out with story ideas here. <laughs> well, you did it. That one, you knocked that right out of the park. <laughs> and uh, by the way, there's two hosts of a show that would be happy to go along and help you cover that one. Yeah, so. I I'm happy to ride from vineyard to vineyard. <laughs> and just think, you won't get in trouble riding your horse while drinking wine. No, Amen. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I do carriages, so I can take you along, too. You don't have to ride. We'll be good. Perfect. All right. I think the three of us, that would be a, that would be an entertaining documentary. Uh, I'm loving it already. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. We really appreciate it. It's somehowhopeful.com. It's, it's, yes. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Cut there. Good job. That was fun. Well, thank you. And if you, if you guys ever want, uh, if you would like to get in touch with Jason to interview him, he would. I'm sure he'd be wonderful for your show. And any of those other guys, if you want to uh, contact them, just let me know. I'd be happy to set you up. All right, probably we'll do that. So I'll I'll, okay. I'll have Jennifer get back in touch. You bet. Well, thank. I really. You'll have his people call your people. That's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, my people will answer the phone exactly right. the way I did. And when you're going to France, <laughs> we can make that happen. So let us know. Right. Yes. Let it go, Glenn. Let it go. <laughs> See you, Jerry. Thanks, All Jerry. Right. Take care, guys. Attention, horse owners. Are you looking to help your horse recover with ease after a strenuous workout? Would you like to nourish your horse and their digestive system? If so, try the new Purina Replenimash product. It's much more than a mash. Replenimash promotes hydration, replenishes electrolytes, and supports gastric comfort. Put Purina's research to the test. Stop into your local Purina retailer and grab a bag of Purina Replenimash product. It's time for the weekly look at your equestrian first world problems. This ought to be good. Well, it's sad. Everybody has such humongous problems when it comes to owning horses and in life is hard and everything is hard. So, um, on Sundays, I usually go onto the Facebook page of the auditor group on Facebook and, uh, I, 
I just asked people what happened to you this week. And these are actual submissions by actual listeners to this podcast. I did not make these up. You you can't possibly make all these up. And uh, I just want to appreciate everybody who repeatedly shares with us their tales of trepidation and woe. Um, So uh, if you want to be involved in this, Glenn, how do they become an auditor to, to submit? Just go to horseradionetwork.com, click on the auditor banner on the right side of the page. Simple and easy. Uh, Simple and easy. Well, hey, we're going to start with Diane. Diane, she said, we found a lovely five-acre plot of land where we can move to with our horses, but now we're having to wait to see if we get approved. Does that sound familiar, Glenn? Yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Just, uh, how's it going, buddy? Just waiting on the approval. Yeah. Any news? Still wait on the, the approval. approval. <laughs> I think we did that for about a year, didn't we? <laughs> uh, no, no, Diane. It took minutes. It'll be any minute. Um, Laura said, Chewy stopped selling the fly mask I like. So I had to order it from two different websites to get two different colors so I don't confuse who's who. Yeah, I made the mistake of buying blankets on clearance, and now all my horses have navy blue blankets, and they're oh, all different sizes. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Mm. All right. And then you have to pay shipping on both. That sucks. Kayla says, I'm bringing my horse out of retirement. Yay. But I sold literally everything except for like some polos and saddle pads. And so now I have to buy all that stuff all over again. And that's kind of fun, right? Oh, my God. I'm going to be so broke. (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa says, I spoke with multiple professionals to create the perfect new forage diet for my mare. But now she's being a princess about the powdered portion and leaving all the expensive minerals and supplements untouched. <laughs> How dare her? I mean, for real, like it's like a, you you just left you just left seventy five dollars in your bucket, jerk. Uh, Celeste says my new property is in a great area to have access to top level event riders, but I can't decide if I want to like send my horses to their farms for training or have them come do training rides at my farm. You Ugh. just made a lot of people mad with that one. Shut up. <laughs> Uh, Laura says, my farrier, who is also a good friend, is moving this fall, and she found someone to take over her clients, and he's young and cute and funny and built, but I'm going to miss my friend. And built. (laughs) Yeah. So just just the update of the farrier world, my farrier, who's amazing, she had a baby, and it's now three months, and so I messaged her, and I was like... How's it going? You know, because I've been like having to have fill-ins. How's it going? She's like, oh, it's so great. I love being a mom. That was it. So <laughs> are you coming back? What's going on? You know, like, the doing the whole thing. like I don't want to be like, uh, can you please get back to work now? And I was like, mm, well, my horses are at the end of the cycle and the person you gave me to fill in is not like available for a couple weeks. So do you have any other suggestions? And so she sent me another name and number. <laughs> so it's bonus. I had him out this past week and he did a great job and he is young and cute and funny and built. <laughs> so <laughs> like how she added is, that at the end, <laughs> which is not at all what I look for in a farrier. I want a chick. Okay. I want a woman, but this guy actually was really nice and he's engaged and he's like, I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm engaged to a barrel racer. So there's <laughs> a girlfriend's a barrel racer. I think anyway, um, Margaret says I wanted to ride today, but would have to go early in the morning to beat the heat and my boys had an appointment to get their massages and she could only come in the morning. So I didn't even get to ride. And then she has pictures of her horses getting massages and it just makes my shoulders ache. Uh, Kelly said my horse dude finally got his bandage off and he's completely cleared for work three hours before I left for a three day weekend at the beach. (laughs) I'm just full of choices. Jenna says, my birthday present to myself arrived. A pretty new bridle for my horse. It's so pretty, but it's like too pretty to use every day. So like I only had to try it on enough to put it away and I can only wear it at shows. <laughs> Life is short. Use the bridle. Yeah. You know, we all have that, right? You get new sneakers or new shoes and you don't want to wear them everywhere. And then in another three weeks, you're wearing them at the barn. 
I mean, you might yeah, as well. Yeah. I have a helmet that I was like, I'm only going to wear this to shows. And I haven't shown in like two years. So can you guys hear the puppy? Was that the puppy? I thought wasn't yeah. sure if that was Lucas or the puppy. They sound the same. He's crying because he <laughs> loves me. He's away from you and he loves you so much. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you let's go see. with that, okay? Hey, Lucas, you want to bring me the puppy? We'll put him on the podcast. Uh, Elizabeth says, I am definitely elated from coaching my student to a three-phase win over the weekend. Yay! But now I have to get back to my day job because clients like want their architectural plans finished. And I just want to ride! <laughs> those darn people with their houses built. <laughs> those darn people that have those, like, things, you know. Um, Ursina said, my new horse... By the way, she might late. be the first architect we've ever heard of that listens. We've had a lot of doctors, but that might be the first architect. Hey, hey somebody's going to have a bigger brain than us. House. <laughs> My new horse arrived late last week in the storm, and I have to work today, so I can't enjoy getting to know him until I get home. And it's pouring down rain, which we, like, totally need, but it's so cute and it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Las Vegas had rain, like serious rain? Oh my god, I'm jealous. They had oh, so they dry. had flooding rain. It was that bad. They had enough rain. They said in a couple hours of what they usually get in a year. So yeah. Hold on, I got the puppy. Oh, you got the puppy. Love you too. I got the puppy. Okay, now I'm doing the rest of the podcast. Well, have the puppy talk. Speak. Speak. Not yes. hearing anything. It's like so basic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They talk man. when you don't want you to. Well, when you don't want them to talk. Well, he's he's more than happy to just sit in my lap, so it's fine. Um, let's see. Nicole says, I got to ride every day this weekend. But now my, like, awkward equestrian farmer's town tan is even more pronounced. <laughs> you know what's weirder than um, a horse chick's tan? A golfer. Okay. So Chad ha- wears these shoes with, like, ankle socks. So from his, like ankle bone up to above right around his knee is like black and then the rest of his leg is white all the way up until you get to his arms and his arms are black just like ours would be takes shirt off but his neck is like cooked yeah. j- uh, cooked <laughs> yeah. like and he where he promises he wears sunscreen i'm like dude this is pathetic <laughs> um it's it's and and you see somebody walking around in, in the dark naked. It looks like they're like have no arms and no neck, <laughs> <laughs> no feet. Um, let's see. Melanie says I'm changing jobs and my new job gives me a lot more flexibility to ride, but I'm still stuck at my current job for three more weeks. Boo. Um. Okay. Two more. Let's see. Cor- Courtney says, I'm taking a bunch of courses to switch careers so I can like make more money and have more flexibility to ride. But because I'm doing all the stupid courses, I don't have to have to ride right now. <laughs> that is a problem. And those courses seem to last forever. All right. And I love to announce a winner every um, every week in which you'll be getting a check in the mail from Glenn for $1 million. Congratulations, Carrie. She said, I had a great ride despite the heat. And then I went to take a big drink of water and my insulated water bottle kept it so cold. I got brain freeze. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, everybody. Thank you for your equestrian first world problems. Again, you can be a part of it. Just become an auditor. And uh, that's all I got. I got a cute puppy in my lap. I've lost all ability to talk anymore. I just wanted to correct something from Friday. So I I got a couple of people that are regular contributors to really bad ads. And they were concerned. I heard from several, actually. They were concerned when you said that the kids are going to get one bazillion entries for really bad ads. That was a joke, people. It was a joke. Jamie was joking. They get the same number of entries as everybody else. But I will say the reason she joked about that is Friday we needed to hear those kids. We were having we were having rough mornings, and it just made our day. So uh, it is a joke. Keep submitting your ads. You're not going to be outdone by the children. 
So I'm just no, saying, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, the, you're all good. The same rules apply. <laughs> yes. Just do an accent yeah. when you send it in. Yes, same rules apply. So I just wanted to clarify that. Keep sending your ads in. Uh, we we do have what almost four hundred dollars in prizes this month. So get your ads in today. Although the children were cute, it was fun. <laughs> we enjoyed Glenn's hearing gonna them. Be, they're in Canada, so they can't even win the prizes. <laughs> so so <laughs> you all have hope. So I got in the post show. I have something to talk about. Uh, something I hadn't done in a long time. I did over the weekend. So we're going to talk and involve the horse. We're going to do that in the post show. All right, everybody, have a great day. Spade, neuter, gal. Time for the Auditor Post Show. We want to remind you that this is not always safe for work or the kiddos. Thanks for hanging around for our nonsense. So I think most of the auditors know I've had a pretty rough year this year health-wise, and I'm finally feeling better. Like, I'll knock on something, the stars are aligning, and I'm feeling better. And I actually woke up Saturday morning and said to Jennifer, I want to drive scooter today. I hadn't driven him all year. I've ground driven them and and but since we moved to the new place, I I've been sick, so I hadn't taken them out the and and it's been a thousand degrees <laughs> too, um, but so it was early in the morning. It was actually cooler, like five degrees cooler and not as humid. And I said, let's go now. So I hadn't taken them out of the woods, and we have hundreds of miles of trails right behind the barn. Um, so we did. I got to drive my pony. It was so nice to be able to drive my pony again, and he was such a rock star. Didn't make a wrong step. Really? He was so good. Now, on this trail, we have to go out there with a saw and serendipitously cut down this tiny little sapling of a tree because there's the trail's pretty narrow. It's not made for carts. And, but I can th- I got the cart through just fine. The trail's pretty narrow, but the one point, there's a turn between two trees, and he he could not get himself to make the turn. So Jennifer to get off and lead him through it. Um, and we can go. I heard it. <laughs> I got him to speak. <laughs> I heard it. So we there's this tiny little sapling. If we cut it down to the ground, then I can go around the trees. Um, but otherwise, it was great. It was so much fun to be out in the woods again because we used to do that all the time. You remember? Uh, you know, we used to go to the woods all the time. Um, but it was so much. And he was so good. It's amazing how horses do grow up. You know, well, and also they he, maybe he knew a little bit of like you needed a victory. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> You know, there was one point coming back through that narrow part where we had to turn the other direction, and there was some brush there, and he would have had to walk into the brush to make the turn for me to make it through the trees and not get stuck. And uh, he just – he couldn't figure it out. He he knows, knows he wasn't supposed to stick his face in brush. That doesn't make any sense for a pony, right? So he's just – but normally he would have backed up and caused a fuss, you know, in the old days. That's what he would have done. He would have like, I'm out of here. This is just too confusing and too scary. He just stood there. He didn't move an inch until Jennifer got off and let him through. Good boy, uh, yeah. Scooter. I know. It's just so, it's so nice to have a, like a mature pony now. It's it's because I'm getting more mature. It's nice to have a mature pony. It only took like eight years. Eight years. Congratulations. I know. I know. I know. Now, I, if a deer had come out behind us, right behind us in the woods, I'm not too sure I'd have had a mature pony. But No promises. No yeah. promises. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, are you beyond the dog collector? Number, it's four. So, by the way, what's four? The dog collector number, where you become a, a crazy oh, dog yeah. lady. I topped it up for five today, <laughs> five this weekend. But what we realize is, you know, we have we have four dogs, but one of them is twelve years old, and the other one is four hundred and seven. <laughs> so we were like, you know, and all our dogs are really, really good. Like they're well behaved, they don't run away, they come when they're called, you know. And and so we were like, let's get a puppy, you know. Like well, that was my thing when I was like selling it. I'm like, we should get a puppy so like our other dogs can train them before they're like, you know, not here. So that was my like, and I think that's what stuck with Chad. But he was like, so yeah, we so. so the idea is that we brought some young blood in to learn from the old blood. While the old blood is still here, because I'm I'm realistic about about things like our little Jack Russell. He is blind and deaf, you know, and he's uh, we got him when he was old and we've had him like eight years. So <laughs> like I said, he's like 
he's like 412. <laughs> so, um, and then my other, my, my herding dog, she's 12 and although she's doing great, but you know, life is the good ones never live long enough, you know? They don't, especially dogs. They just don't seem to live long. Cats always seem to take forever to die, but dogs, and on the other hand. <laughs> you'd have the worst, like, we had the worst cat growing up, Pump- Pumpkin. Her name was Pumpkin. And Pumpkin was evil her entire life. I mean, granted, my parents were idiots and got a cat at the pound when they had three small children. So I'm sure we tormented it. It hated humans. And we had that cat for like 22 years. <laughs> I just wouldn't die. <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, I'm glad. I think I can't wait to meet this Bassett. Actually, I'm I'm excited you got, you became oh. a crazy crazy dog lady because yes, you're welcome. I did it for the show. It's so cute, so adorable. I think I ain't got nothing else. I don't think. No, I'm sitting here holding this puppy. I'm not. I'm half here. I'm yeah. half gone. <laughs> no, you're you're out of here. Well, everybody, thank you again for supporting us. We really appreciate it for being part of the family. And uh, you can look for next – I got a couple questions about next Wednesday. Yes, we are going to do a Facebook Live. It's going to be nothing fancy. I'm going to set up the camera while we do the show from Jamie's house for the 3000th episode. And then maybe we'll hang around and talk to you guys. Maybe Jennifer's going to be there. Is, do we know if Chad's going to be home for that episode? I don't know. He heads for training on Thursday, so we'll see. Okay. If he's there, then let's just bring Jennifer and Chad onto the show too. Why not? Sounds good. And uh, you'll all get to see that. And yes, it will be up. So you, the video will just be video and you can watch it anytime. So if you're at work, it's no problem. Okay. Gotta take my puppy potty. He's got to be Homer and I going outside. Right. Have a good one. Congratulations. You made it through another post show. Thank you for all your support. Now go ride your horse.